Pastor. If you can pronounce those names, that means that the Lord can use you, uh, not only here, but elsewhere. So yeah, you, you did great. And uh, we just want to greet you and, and thank the Lord for you. She's dressed funny, I'm not sure. But the rest of you, obviously. Uh, there's so much that's going on, and wow, the, the video that we just saw, too, is, is so important. Lottie Moon, we're going to talk about her in just a second, uh, gave her life back in the late 1800s, was a missionary with the International Mission Board, and now we have uh, that Lottie Moon Christmas offering every year during the month of December, and that just goes to help us serve the Lord and to be your representatives on the mission field in Benin, DR Congo, and Togo as well. And the thing about Lottie Moon is, is she had just one life to live. And there was another missionary named C.T. Studd. He was in the 1800s as well. He was, he was a contemporary of Hudson Taylor, served in China, India, and then actually died in the country that we lived in, DR Congo. And he said this, he was written a very famous poem, and we want to just kind of work on that today as we share some stories with you. He said this, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's what Lottie Moon was talking about. And we want to thank you as IMB missionaries for giving to the cooperative program, but also to Lottie Moon. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's on. Watch it. He likes to tell yeah, you to so shut it off. Don't do listen this, to him. You'll understand yeah. why uh, yeah. we need to. I told the pastor we wanted two microphones, so I'd have my own. <laughs> Sometimes he won't give it to me. So, yeah, uh, just yeah, before okay. we get started. Yeah, so oh, all right. this will be a little bit informal, too, if that's okay. And I had a great time with the adults and, and uh, students today, and Barbara oh, was with the children. You don't know that you have a king and queens uh, amongst your children. Well, they can ask later. Okay, ask later. So I grew up, I'm a, I'm a Buckeye. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, just up the road here. And uh, we've been missionaries for 34 years. But Barbara, just to show you that God's a God of love, and that's your theme, love is. God is a God of love and God of grace. And she's from that state up north, you know, that we don't usually mention. Yeah, we have a Romeo and Juliet type of relationship, but neither of us have taken the po poison yet, you know. So let's, what about Lottie Moon? Oh, Lottie Moon. Okay, Lottie Moon. Yeah, we just praise God for your giving and your praying. We know that prayers always go along with Lottie Moon. And we could not have survived 34 years on the mission field without the power of prayer behind us. We can go and we can do a lot of stuff. But if you aren't praying, nothing's going to happen. If you aren't giving, nothing's going to happen. Because we, yeah, we, we need that. And so we have a Lottie Moon Christmas. We had a truck at one time. We have a car right now. And I tell you, those, those vehicles are wonderful vehicles to have. We have driven through lakes. I have driven through stuff that I never thought I'd drive through before. Deep mud, sand that will, is worse than snow. And um, even one time we were chased by an elephant in a truck. And that was so yeah, much we were fun. We're grateful for a, like a four-wheel drive vehicle that really went because he really was but, chasing but us. But then we stopped and backed up and let her chase us again because it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, one of those, one time I was out with our, our oldest son. We have three children, by the way. One's a doctor in Fort Wayne, and he's going in a few weeks to the Dominican Republic on a medical mission. Our second son, Kevin's an IMB missionary in Uganda. 
And then our daughter uh, married a pastor, and they're involved in ministry on the Wright State University campus. Well, where's Allie? Where, where are you? Where'd you go, where's Allie? Allie? Yeah, here yeah, she is. There. Yeah, she was involved in his his their and, ministry there. Uh, so uh, our oldest son and I were out kind of scouting out a place for volunteers to come, and we love volunteers to come and help us do ministry. And uh, there had just been uh, a big rain, and we were driving along, and all of a sudden our four-wheel drive vehicle just sat down, so much so into the mud and muck, you could not open the door. We had to crawl out the back gate door to get out and then we had our african friends dig us out and took a long time so that's what your lottie moon do dollars go for and, and it gives us an opportunity to travel different places and, and if you are a third culture kid or a missionary kid this is what you do you put the son out front of the vehicle and have him walk the muck the rest of the way to make to find where the holes are so you can go ahead i don't know if i really like that idea um but we also have we thank you for our lottie moon christmas home what we live in we Christmas offering home. Usually, you know, we've rented, we've, we've uh, had, yeah, we've mainly rented. And uh, one of the houses we were in, we had skylights. And so when the storms came, the rain came into the house more than on the porch. So we would go sit on the porch. Uh, the one we, the apartment we just left, and we praise God for the apartment, but the water was contaminated, so we had to haul water in to drink for a long time, and then it was salty because we're on the ocean, and it's so salty that it rusted out all of my muffin pans and my other cake dishes and all that stuff, so if you have some extras, um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Muffin pans and cookie tins are important in our household. So yeah, and then, just let you know. And the other thing is we have roaches. And I hate roaches. I can't stand roaches. And the nice thing about living in Africa, if you get your kid to kill a roach, because I don't want to touch him, I hate the crunch. Anyway, but if you leave it there, and by, by morning it's gone because you have these cleaner ants that come out, and they come and pick things up, all the crumbs and stuff, and take them away. And I just bought a vacuum. It's the first one I've had in 34 years because you don't have the same type of ants. Praise the Lord for that, right? <laughs> so thank you for your giving. Thank you for your prayers. You know, as you do give, and even as you give in your normal offering plate, some of that goes to the Baptist State Convention of Ohio, and that goes to the National Convention, and some of that then goes to help support folks like us. There's about 3,500 of us around the world, and we're, we're open for business. We're looking for people to come join the task of taking the gospel to the nations. And your pastor said that I'm the globalization, globalization, he that's can't hard speak to say, right, I can't though. say that, yeah. uh, associate for all of Africa. And so these last few years, we've been privileged and uh, I guess privileged and yeah, burdened privileged. with going to countries and conventions, trying to get them to understand that the Great Commission is not just for the church in the U.S. It's not just for Europeans. The Great Commission is for everyone. And so we would go and we would have consultations and two or three day conferences trying to look at the scriptures and look at the word and see what God wants every believer and how he wants them to be a part of taking the gospel to the nations. And so this is part of your Lottie Moon too. You pay for our budget. And we have actually flown to like 20 some countries last year. Uh, and that the flying is no fun. It's no fun here in the States anymore. It's really not fun in Africa. But to go to these places and to, and to share with them, to give them a think tank consultation where they can think through what does the Great Commission mean to us. And it's fascinating as they start realizing, and I'm jumping ahead, um, it's fascinating when they start realizing, oh, you mean missionaries don't just look like you. you know, missionary can be us. 
And then they fall under conviction realizing, yes, we've been going to the other people groups in our nation, but we've never thought about the other nations of the world. And it's our turn now to start going. Because why? Because your prayers are working. What you have invested in your missionaries, we are beginning to have conventions rise up that need to be taking the task to the other nations. We were in Uganda. Actually, our son was helping. And by the way, you need to follow him. Uh, he does these great little videos and ask me about it later. He's on YouTube. Um, does great mission clips. Anyway, um, we were in Uganda and he was part of our training and, and the people, the, the leadership were so burdened about missions that after we left, they went ahead and started a missions department for their convention. And then they went and sent two young men out. And where did they go? They went to the northeastern part of Uganda to start churches. And it was among a people group that was known to be, even still, cannibals. You all know that word? I mean, we were in a church not long ago where some of the people weren't sure what a oh, cannibal was. Yeah, well, if you don't know, ask. Yeah. It's not fun. But there are people who still do that in Africa. And so after these, we caught up to him about six months later. And he shared with us, man, we sent out these two young men. Young men, watch it. We sent out these two young men. We sent them out there to the cannibals. And you know what? They have planted five churches. And they haven't been eaten yet. So church planting without getting eaten is a good thing if, if you can accomplish that. So, so pastor, so, you need to put that. If you ever leave here, put that on your resume. And I haven't been eaten yet. <laughs> and so what that convention and what this church and what all churches should be doing is participating in the Great Commission. We know we're going into all the nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe or obey all that Christ taught. And then Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us too that when the Holy Spirit has come upon us that we will be his witnesses in four places, in Jerusalem, right here, in Fairfield area, uh, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And as we've been teaching that to our African brothers and sisters, uh, some didn't really understand that it was to be. No, I just had a question. Oh, because you said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses mm -hmm. in Jerusalem, Judea. Okay, so if we're not doing that, whose spirit do we have? I'll leave that as a question for everyone to ponder. So God wants us to be a witness where you are, but he also wants us and the church to be involved. And I love the theme and I love the, the flags that are up showing that the nations are out there. God wants us to participate here, but to be praying about Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Uh, that flag right there with the blue and the red stripe and the star is the flag of the DR Congo where we lived. And uh, there, are, there are around 200 people groups there that still have not heard the gospel. And so God wants us to be a witness in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but then in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, I want you to hear what it says. And it says that there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. This is just right after the church was born. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Did y'all hear that? That the church was scattered out of Jerusalem and they went to Judea 
and Samaria, everyone except the apostles. So what does that mean? It means that people just like you and just like me were the ones that were sent out. They weren't pastors, they weren't deacons, they were taxi drivers and seamstresses and bankers and farmers. And, and God drivers. wants to use each and every one of us, no matter what your title is or where you live, to be a witness to the nations. In fact, you can go as a truck driver, a CrossFit trainer. Anyway, we can continue on that. As we've done these consultations uh, all over, we've, we ended up in Rwanda, which was really amazing. I don't know if you've ever followed any of Rwanda's news about the great genocide that happened some years back. And Jeff was really marked by the fact that we had Baptist leaders from several Baptist groups all in that big room together and realizing that these people either had people murdered in their family by the other guys in the room. So we had the, the people, yeah, I want to say the murdered and the murderees, but it doesn't work that way. But, you know, anyway, just to think that here through God's grace, they have a gathering of men in this room who had participated in this horrible genocide, but yet now they are gathering together to find out how can we band together, create a network to send people to the nations. And so the idea is that the church from everywhere is going everywhere. And your church, I know, is going to Jamaica and you've been to other places. And we need to think together where this church can be going and where the church around the world is going. We were in a, a meeting uh, a while ago in the country of Jordan. And uh, it was in the North, uh, North Africa, Middle East part of the work that the IMB is doing. So we were there with missionaries having a consultation and trying to figure out how can we get the gospel to those highly Islamic closed countries. And we had representatives from the underground church from China. Now you all know that the, the church is there in China, but it's underground. In fact, these guys, these representatives from China were there and said, you're not really even considered a pastor unless you've spent some time in prison because of your faith. And let me jump in there and one of our imb missionaries all of our imb missionaries have now been kicked out of china they got found out but one of our colleagues he was sharing with us the times that he had been in china and the police had arrested him and a chinese pastor and in the next room they were beating his chinese pastor and they and he could hear it happening and they said to him if you will tell us who's involved in your church we will stop beating the pastor but he didn't he has one life to give for Jesus, and he's not willing to, uh, well, he's going to stand up for Jesus no matter what. And so this idea of taking your one life and being on mission with God is something that all of us must embrace, even like Lottie Moon in the video was talking about. So these Chinese pastors were there, and, and one of the guys that was there was the leader of one Chinese underground church movement that had 25 million members. Can you imagine? I mean, it's hard for us to believe that there's a, a movement. And what he was saying was this, that the church there, even in China, even with their limitations, were sending out missionaries. And it's very, very difficult because uh, of the government, uh, the Chinese government monitors all those things. And they've sent out missionaries and they've done it on their own, but they've not been successful because they they don't know the culture. They maybe have had a difficult time learning language. And so... 
he was saying, can we cooperate with you all that we can do some mentoring and coaching and training together so that our people can be successful in their mission endeavors so they can come back and that the church can grow, that we can be on mission for the Lord together. And we will come back to that because we have received some of their missionaries over in Togo. But as we were in this meeting together, those two pastors got up and they sang the song. Of course, we couldn't understand a word of it in Mandarin. It was powerful. You could just sense the Holy Spirit just being, just working through them as they sang the song together. And after they sang the song, they explained the words and they said it was arise. Chinese, go to the nations for Jesus. And I thought to myself, where is that song in Africa? I mean, we have thousands of languages in Africa, but where are those individual songs in our local languages that are calling to our people to stand up and go to the nations for Jesus Christ? And so we went on and we were in South Africa and we did a, no, in Kenya, and we did a, um, a consultation in Kenya and at the end of this consultation, one of, the young, one of the men, his name is George, he was so touched by the fact that they don't have a song and so touched by the fact that they had not been sending missionaries that they pulled, he pulled Jeff down to his knees, which is hard because we had a terrible accident, but that's another story. He pulled him down to his knees at the end of our time together and he just cried out to the Lord in a loud voice, Lord, even if we don't have any money, we want to send missionaries and then he went on and he's a musician and he wrote a song and just listen to some of the words hear the jungle hear from the jungle the roar sounding the lion of judah calling his own africa your time has come africa will you boldly step out hear the rumble from the kalahari to the sahara a new life springing forth as africa arises africa your time has come Africa, will you boldly step out? Hear the rumble, hear the roar from the mountaintops, hear the roar from the Zambezi, hear from the thousand villages, the good news of Jesus, Africa to the nations. And so we all have a responsibility because we love God. We should be praying, we should be giving, and we should be going. Matthew 9, uh, verse 37, 38 says this, that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into that harvest. And one of the things that we want to challenge you with today is, who are you praying for that might go? Are you praying for your children or maybe that your grandchildren might go and serve the, serve the Father in a place that has not yet even heard the name of Jesus? Have you become like our African brothers and sisters who have made a box and put you know, American missionaries in it and, and European missionaries. They're the ones who are supposed to be missionaries. But uh, do you have that same box? That is not you supposed to be a missionary. It's not your children who are supposed to be missionaries. It's not your grandchildren. Do you pray for them to go? It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Just like Lottie Moon said, yeah, there's suffering out there. But the privileges of working in areas for the Lord Jesus Christ where people have never heard about Jesus or the privileges of seeing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to Jesus because you've been obedient to go and you've been obedient to give and to pray is enormous. Do you have a cell phone? Lift it up if you have it in your hand. 
What I do, I have put a timer on my phone for Luke 10, 2, which is the same verse. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Luke 10, 2. So at 10.02 every day, my alarm sounds and reminds me to pray, Lord, send out laborers. But why don't you pray, Lord, send out laborers and send me too. So our one life, loving, can be and should be praying for the nations, praying for laborers, praying for the harvest, that the Lord would send laborers to the harvest. We lived in Benin in 24 years, as the pastor mentioned, and we've done a lot of things. We were student workers there, church planners, leader trainers, seminary professors. Women. Barbara worked with the women and trying to get the women to understand their role in the Great Commission as well. But the Aizo people, about three or 400,000 people, they were an unengaged and unreached people group. We went and we saw scores of churches started there, but we wanted to instill in them the DNA of missions, Acts 1-8, the Great Commission, so that they too would take the gospel to the nations. And they started doing that just on their own. There was a neighboring people group called the Chi people. And the Chi people were, you had to cross some rivers by foot. Uh, there were no roads in there. Uh, I think only Jesus did that by foot. I think you have to go into the water or over the water. Yeah, or we swam. Okay. That was by, anyway. So you cross the river by foot or in a boat or you wade through it. Yeah, Is that better? That's better. Okay. And, and so we were going in to, to see these folks again, sharing the gospel where it had never been shared before. And the Aizo people took up this mantle to share. It was really amazing. They decided, they decided on their own to go to the Chi. And what Jeff is describing is when volunteers have come and they even stepped into the water with ever, without ever asking what was in the water, which is good because we wouldn't have wanted to tell them. Anyway, so the, the ISO people, uh, a number of them got up early one morning and they, their water you would never drink, their water we would never drink. But they were afraid of going in to drink the water in the Chi people area because it was even a lesser economic area than their mud huts, okay? And so they got up early in the morning and they, the women put their babies on their backs with the cloth that we were using today, children. And then they were going to find the market mamas who are usually out early and sell little things to eat so they could go on walking into the Chi country. But the market mamas that morning weren't there yet. And so as they started walking, they had nothing to eat and nothing to drink. And as they started walking, the babies started crying on the mama's backs. And they said, what are we going to do? So they stopped and they prayed, Jesus, we're on mission for you. We're going to tell the Chi people they've never heard about you, about you today. Please help the babies to be quiet and to be at peace. They went in all day long and they shared Christ with the, with the Chi people the first time they had probably ever heard of Christ. They had people come to Jesus Christ. And that night, as they were walking back, it's already getting dark, they could see the little lanterns. And the kids saw the lanterns this morning and we have one out on our table. They saw the little lanterns on the, on the plateau. Oh, I can't yeah, speak English. Yeah, on the benches of the women sellers. And they knew there was going to be food there to eat. And when they saw those little flickering flames, that's when the babies started crying again. So God is sending their people to other people because they realize one of the things in our, in our phone language, our greeting is, did you wake up today? 
because so many people die, right? And so they know life is short and life is limited and t now is the time to go. And so they take their one life and use it for God's glory, wherever that is. I shared with the students uh, this morning, there's a, a pastor named J.D. Greer in North Carolina, and he has a great phrase that I really love. He says, uh, do what you're good at for the glory of God, but do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Let me say it again. Do what you're good at to glorify the Lord, but do it somewhere that's strategic, strategic to advance the kingdom of God, the mission of God. And that's what we're trying to instill and all the believers that we're working with. And even that's something that we need to do, each of us individually. God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to see? And even after 24 years serving the Lord in Benin, the Lord put in our hearts that we needed to move to Kinshasa, Congo, a city of 15 million people, to try to begin work through Southern Baptists in seven countries in Central Africa. And there are no malls. Okay, 15 million people and terrible roads, not enough electricity, not enough running water. Anyway, it's not like a city of, where are we? Oh, Columbus. Okay, any, or Cincinnati, wherever we are. I don't know, I'm, I'm lost. I, I just follow him. <laughs> okay, so when we went there, the main thing that we did was gather up the evangelicals because we didn't have Baptist, Baptist work of our own. And so we work with Baptist partners and other evangelicals that we could find, and we trained them how to use the narration of Bible stories that works for people have oral preference, and that's another whole thing that we can't chase. But the, when you narrate a, a Bible story for evangelism and for discipleship, even to use it for church, it, it, it just impacts the lives of the people. When we use a story to share Jesus, a story from the Bible, to share Jesus with a the person, they're much more likely to give their lives to Christ than if I would do a four spiritual laws or you know go through a Roman road. Yeah. And so we've done that and we began to work with uh, partners, um, Seed Company and Wycliffe and those kind of things. And we were doing trainings for multiple people groups, and we saw a massive amount of people trained with the gospel, with the stories. We saw, as they were learning the stories, they shared with over 90,000 people, and over 20,000 gave their lives to Christ. Um, over 370 groups were started, 290 churches, 1,300 people were baptized, all because of sharing and teaching people and training them to share the stories of scripture. And this is just in one area. This is among like 20 people groups that they gathered up and spent two years training them how to put stories into their own languages and they recorded them. Just out of that, working with like eight people groups. How many people groups? I gotta look back on this. Um, oh, okay, excuse me, it was 35 people groups. They worked with 35 people groups in that, that area and 90,000 people. 90,000 people, it was not pastoral numbers. The, these were actually numbers that they went back in and verified, heard about the Lord Jesus Christ through stories. And so the whole idea is to get them to understand their one life needs to count for Christ because only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We asked some uh, uh, colleague missionaries who lived in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, 
to come to DR Congo to help us do some training for pastors. And they came and we prayed that morning. Uh, we had about a 10 hour trip into the bush. Uh, we had hired a chauffeur, a driver to take us there. And as we prayed that morning, we just said, Lord, you know, provide for us, protect us as we go, bless our conversation. And uh, we took off and started on the 10 hour trip. And we were talking with Randy and Kathy Arnett in the car. We, we, they're good, they're friends of ours, colleagues from, you know, that we've known for a long time. And we were going down a straight stretch of road, no, no <clears throat> cattle, I'm trying to think of, no cattle, no goats, no chickens, no potholes, no motorcycles. It, we were actually just a good stretch of road. And the chauffeur kind of went off on the side, which is a little bump, just a little side, and he, he, for some reason, couldn't get the vehicle back up on the road again. And we thought, well, what's happened? Well, we think now that something broke underside of the car. And so when he was able to force the car back up on the road, we went at, what was it, 60, 60 miles an hour, straight over to the other side. And I was actually texting women from Nigeria on my phone, and I looked up in time to, to, to say, Jesus, because I knew we were going to roll. And at 60 miles an hour, we rolled four times. And unfortunately, Randy and Kathy didn't have their seat belts on. Uh, they were both thrown from the vehicle. Uh, unfortunately, Kathy died there. Uh, the car landed on its four tires. I was in the front seat, Barbara was behind me, and Randy and Kathy were in the gone. back seat with her, but they were, gone. Uh, they were gone. The driver was slumped over. I looked at my arm, and uh, my all the skin on my arm was flapping in the breeze down here. Uh, somebody came, I somehow got out of the vehicle, and they wrapped my arm up with a, a cloth and got us to, uh, got us, Barbara and me, and the driver to the side of the road and good Samaritans were there. They took us to a bush hospital, and long story uh, short, uh, it was a hospital uh, about the size of half of the platform up here. Yeah, no running water, no electricity, dirty. No medicine. No medicine. Uh, and so they stitch up my arm for an hour and a half with no medicine, no anesthesia, nothing. And they rinsed it with a bottle of water, no soap. Found out later that I had a dislocated shoulder, fractured shoulder, collapsed lung, broken ribs, and they kept saying, How, what's your pain level like? And you can only imagine. Yeah, so did you just let that sink in, you know, sewing up his arm for an hour and a half without any anesthesia. So they sewed in all the germs and everything. Uh, got finally arrived back to Kinshasa, uh, the hospital there was absolutely no help whatsoever. They actually put him to sleep to try to put his shoulder back into place without checking him, listening to his heart. And if they'd at least listened, they would have known he had a uh, collapsed lung. So they put him to sleep with a collapsed lung. And if you are any medical people, you know you, you don't do that. Um, but we were life flighted by, thank God for Lottie Moon. and. <laughs> Uh, we were life flighted down. To, I was injured too, but he 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 gets the limelight in this one. Um, I was. We were life flighted down to South Africa for help. And so Randy and Kathy both gave their one life, trying to teach and train pastors. We were. Barbara's has a metal plate in her arm. I've had seven surgeries. I have a. a they call it titanium shoulder in my right hand. Really, still doesn't work. 
But that doesn't diminish the calling that God has on our life to use us to take the gospel to the nations and to train people that they too can take the gospel right. to the nations. And our fight, our fight in South Africa was to get better so we could get back on the field. We had to come back to the States for a time for the surgeries for Jeff. Our fight was what? To get back on the field. And you know, even if we had lost our lives, we would have been satisfied because we know we've given it all for Jesus. If, we had been, if God had called us to live in America, we still would have given our all here. But we happened to be over there. And if we, had, if we had died in that instant, we would have been able to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, we surrendered everything we knew how to. We lived our one life for you to the best of our ability. So. And so we all need to be thinking, what about our one life? Are you willing to get your passport now and then ask Jesus, okay, where do you want me to go? Are you willing to, as we mentioned, to pray for your children, to pray for your grandchildren to go? Uh, there's a new program with the IMB. There's, 3, 000, there's about 7,500 people groups around the globe, and there's still 3,000 that we believe statistically have no access to the gospel. We're looking for young people between the age of 20 and 30 to go with a backpack and go with a partner and go and do research and share the gospel. Would you be willing to take your one life and do that? Do I go on to that? So again, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, your will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, it was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Folks, what does God want you to do? What does God want? this church to do? Would you bow your heads and just think about that for a minute? Ask the Lord, Father, what do you want me to do with my one life? Will I live it in a way that will glorify you? Will I be used by you? Let's pray together. Father, you are good and you are faithful. And Lord, as we sang songs to worship and honor you today. We talked about that we are not our own, that we, we are been bought with a price, that we want to honor and glorify you. And I pray for each one of us, even now, that you would help us as individuals to think through, how am I living my life for you? And Lord, I pray through the power of your spirit that you would speak to people and help them to respond in obedience, to be willing to do whatever you're asking them to do, that they would glorify you and do it in a way that's strategic to build your kingdom. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Pray that you would draw them to yourself. And if someone's here that doesn't yet know you, I pray that they would understand that you love them, that you've died for them, that you've risen again so that they might have life with you. And so, Father, we give to you this time of invitation. We give to you this church and ask that you would help it to be salt and light in this community, but also salt and light as it makes an impact 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Lord, help them to use their one life that it might honor and glorify you. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.